contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, it's Andrew Brand. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand podcast. This week, I'll go into some Brandt's rants. So much for me to talk about. I haven't weighed in on the Colin Kaepernick situation. I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk about this massive Sam Bradford trade. What a change of fortunes for two franchises based on an injury last week. And of course, talk about Labor Day. What it means for labor in the NFL, what it means for teams, go behind the scenes, what teams are working on. First, before we get to that, a message from DraftKings. The football season is finally here. Here we are, and now it's your chance to win $100,000. Part of that, DraftKings is hosting a free contest this weekend, $100,000 in total prizes. You know what one week's fantasy means, no season-long commitments. You play when you want, with the players you want, you pick your team, and you can follow it live in real time. So call to action. Here we go. DraftKings.com. Use code BRANDT, all caps, B-R-A-N-D-T. You play for free this weekend's $100,000 fantasy contest. Again, that's code BRANDT, all caps, B-R-A-N-D-T. Play for your share of $100,000 this weekend. DraftKings.com. Eligibility restrictions may apply. See the website for details. Okay, this week in the NFL, Bradford trade. Listen, here's what happens more often than not, more often than people know, Fortunes of teams are dictated not by the teams themselves, but by circumstances beyond them. People think there's these well-orchestrated, long-range plans, and yes, there are, but it's surprising how many times it happens in the NFL where dictated circumstances come from not the team's actions, but the actions or inactions or, unfortunately, injuries elsewhere. A couple examples before we get to the issue at hand. You know, I remember Drew Brees, uh, ten, a decade ago, he wanted to sign after not being re-signed by the Chargers. He was a free agent. He wanted to sign with the Miami Dolphins. But those doctors and Nick Saban said, no, we're going to go with Dante Culpepper, who had a risky knee, but that was preferable to Brees' risky shoulder. So reluctantly, he signs with the New Orleans Saints. And of course, the rest is history. How about Aaron Rodgers? I was sitting there in that draft room. We looked at the board. All our guys were gone. We're facing a, a only first-round grade of Aaron Rodgers because no one took him in those 23 picks. So the circumstances dictated we're taking him. He's the best talented player. We certainly didn't want to take a quarterback, having Brett Favre, the most durable quarterback in the history of the NFL, on our roster. But that's what circumstances dictated, the inactions of other teams. Here we are last week at this time. Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback for the Minnesota Viking. He goes down in a heap, a scary, a gruesome injury, dislocating his kneecap, tearing ligaments. He is done for the year, hopefully not beyond, but certainly the year. What happens? The fortunes of two teams changed. Call into several general managers, but Howie Roseman uses his value in leveraging a first-round pick for Sam Bradford, that pick they had given up for Carson Wentz to get higher in the draft to take him. So the Eagles' plan changes. Remember, the Eagles' plan was a present plan and a future plan. The present plan involved Sam Bradford as the placeholder for Carson Wentz. We know that was not going to be long-term, but at least this year, he was going to be on the team, and he was going to try to win as many games as he could. And then the Eagles would try to leverage a trade of Bradford next year, hopefully as high as a second-round pick if Bradford played well. Well, now they get a first-round pick. Listen, 
this was where a guy like Howie Roseman proves his value. Sometimes scouts, especially, they scoff at, at, at people like Roseman. And frankly, I was one of those where they're not quote-unquote football guys, which I guess means didn't come up from pure scouting backgrounds that were beating the bushes looking for players their whole life, more financial negotiating background, which is what Howie has, and that served him well, leveraging the desperation of the Vikings, who are a smart team and obviously came in asking to to pay less than a first-round pick, but Roseman's intelligence and experience in in negotiating really paid off here value for the Eagles. They get a first-round pick. A week ago, we were talking about the NFL draft being held in Philly in 2017, where the Eagles had no draft pick. We're going to stare longingly at a picture of Carson Wentz when their pick came out. Now they get the Vikings pick for Sam Bradford. Good trade for the Eagles. Bradford, as you remember, chafed at being the placeholder back in April, and Tom Conn and his agent searched around. The best they could muster up was maybe a mid-round pick, like a fourth-round pick from Denver. That wasn't going to do it. The Eagles had paid Bradford $11 million signing bonus, and they weren't going to give that away for a mid-round pick. Now, the question is, would Howie have given Bradford to the Vikings for a second-round pick and maybe something later? I don't know. It's a lot to ask to pay $11 million for someone to play somewhere else unless you get something back like a first-rounder, but that's the ultimate question. If he could have, if the Vikings could have made this deal for a second rounder and not having to give up the precious, precious resource of a first round pick in next year's draft. So a week ago, Carson Wentz is third string inactive, may not play all year. Now he's the starter. A week ago, draft announced in Philadelphia, Eagles didn't have a pick. Now they do. A week ago, Teddy Bridgewater, the starter present and future for the Vikings. Now it's Sam. Bradford. A note on Bradford, he makes $24 million for one season in Philadelphia. He got $11 million for essentially participating in OTAs this week. Uh, He and Tom Condon, he's the last bonus baby in the history of the draft, 2010, when he got $50 million guaranteed. Now these guys get $20 million guaranteed. You see how, in a world tilted towards management, Sam Bradford and Tom Condon, have really won in the business of football. Bradford will be one of the highest paid players in the history, career earnings, in the history of the NFL. I mean, he's not going to pass Peyton Manning or Eli Manning, but he's going to be up there. And that is really a testament to him being uh, the recipient of good fortune, negotiating well, and figuring out where his value lies. And Sam Bradford now, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, something we couldn't envision two weeks ago under any circumstances. So again, the postscript on the Bradford trade is, I think, of the eminent philosopher Mike Tyson, who said, I had a plan until I got punched in the mouth. The Vikings had a plan. They got punched in the mouth. The Eagles had a plan. And someone else getting punched in the mouth, a non-contact injury 1,500 miles away, changed their destiny. And now the future is now for Carson Wentz and the Eagles. They were caught between the present and the future with Bradford. And now they have moved on. They have shed that present plan towards the future. Carson Wentz, we'll see. Uh, I think the fact they traded so many assets for him made it where they have little margin of error. But getting the number one back really sort of soothes that in some sense. The Bradford trade. Second topic I want to discuss is Callan Kaepernick. I think a lot has been said here from everyone to the the guy in his basement calling sports radio to Barack Obama 
Uh, here's my take on it. First of all, maybe I'm too literal, I'm too much of a lawyer, but I didn't get the protest for a reason different than everyone else is saying. To me, it's he's protesting local actions, right? He's protesting what happened in Baton Rouge, what happened in Minnesota, what happened in Chicago, what happened in South Carolina, what happened in other places. But he's protesting it with an affront to the national flag. And I know some people are saying, Brant, you're too literal. But listen, a national flag is, is really protesting President Obama's policy, is protesting something uh, federal, something that it's like orchestrated federally that we oppress and that we uh, have brutality, police brutality. But those are all local situations. So again, my initial reaction was this is not a federal case. This is a local case, a series of local cases that he's protesting. So why allow the, the national protest? Having said that, I'm more a fan of Colin Kaepernick today than I was three weeks ago because we want our athletes to speak out. And sometimes we lament that they are scripted, that they're robots, that they're so cliched. Well, here's one who's not. Here's one who's not. And he came out with a stance, and I think it's important that he did that. Uh, I think that he's now become more interested and more interesting to people like me that he's he's taken this view. He owned up to it in comments. I thought he was open, honest, and relatively articulate in what he said about this. The issue to me comes from, now I look at it from my management point of view, is, uh, oh, first of all, one last thing. Again, we want our athletes. Now listen, we applauded. We thought it was so great when these great NBA players stood up at the ESPYs and had this call to action. Okay, what did they do? They stood up in a call to action. What is that? Colin Kaepernick actually took a a more drastic, risky step. Uh, And we don't seem to have the same appreciation or applause for Colin Kaepernick as we do these NBA stars. Popularity should not determine people's outlook on things in terms of a role or activism. So again, I I applaud Colin for taking a stand. I do think it's too literal. Uh, not I, from a literal point of view, I think it's the wrong message. It's he should. It's more localized when when the flag is national. Here's the other point of view from my management background. First of all, from the team, Chip Kelly. Of course, he did it in two games where people didn't notice. Kelly knew that uh, the team's not doing anything. I understand that. And the league, we criticize the league for being heavy-handed and overreaching and acting too harshly. But here's one. They did the right thing, and I thought they handled it very well, very succinctly, quickly and quietly put out a statement saying, we encourage but do not require players to stand, which sort of put to bed any issue. So they handled that quickly and quietly, as I said, but but they opened up the possibility, and I thought at the time, probability that other players would join and follow Kaepernick. So we saw his teammate Reed, we saw across the uh, field in the same game, a player uh, that sat down for the uh, Seahawks. I think there will be others. I think the NFL has stated its policy in that one line. They encourage but do not require players to stand. And we're going to see more of this. So everyone should be aware that that's going to happen. Uh, And here we go. Uh, Another wave of activism I think will come week after week, and it won't get the attention of Kaepernick's first or second time. But he has started something here. And again, I go back to my initial comment. Literally, it doesn't work. He's protesting a series of localized actions 
against a national flag. The national flag is the country. It's President Obama. It's it's our our national policy, not anything localized. Again, that's my different and somewhat too literal, hey, I'm a lawyer, what can I say, reaction. And my third point here is about Labor Day, uh, and I'm recording this on Labor Day. To me, it's unfortunate because Labor Day, in my life as an agent, as a team executive, and now analyzing the business of football, has always meant one thing, a huge reduction in NFL labor. You know, six weeks ago, every team had 90 players. Now they have 53 plus a practice squad. Those are hundreds and hundreds of jobs reduced. So the labor force has been reduced. Always the hardest time of the year. I felt so hard for players, maybe my former agent background, but we used to cut players and I would look at them and I'd say, you know, this could be it. And now they go back to the real world and now their dreams are dashed. And it's one thing for the older guys that had somewhat of a career, even if it was only two, three years. That's a career. I mean, that's a head start on life, the money and whatever fame they accomplished. To me, I always felt bad for the young guys that we signed that did everything in God's green earth to make the team, and they had no chance. I mean, the, the fact is, they're going to be undrafteds and players off the street that make it every year. But for the, for the large majority of players, team rosters are set. Think of it this way. Of over 1,000 players released in the past couple weeks, how many were surprises? 3, 4, 10, 15, 20 max? So teams know what they're going to do. And I understand these guys are getting their experience in the NFL, and, and it's better than the alternative in many cases. But it is, it is a, a rough business. And, and my, my postscript on that is for people who talk about the death of football, we're going to lose our, our talent base. Come on. How, a thousand something players are cut this weekend, and they are dying to play the game. I just think any suggestion that we're approaching a, a end of football, certainly not from the talent pool. I don't know what people are thinking about otherwise, but the NFL is the sports league out there that does the least amount of hitting. College should take note of that in terms of reduced practice time and less hitting in practice. And I do think there's something to be said for not starting football until a certain age. That's something for another day we can talk about. But that obviously makes a lot of sense and should not scare the NFL that football players would be starting later. And my final comment is a postscript. I got so many nice comments about Aaron Rodgers uh, in my podcast last week. I apologize for the sound. We were sitting around the Packers. He's very thoughtful. And what stuck out to me was he wants to take a bigger union role. He's a little regretful he didn't last time. He thinks the union gave in too much by not waiting. And the waiting he was referring to is, remember, everyone jumped into the uh, into their training camps right when that deal was done, and no one missed any time. If the players had held out a little bit longer, perhaps they could have gotten more gains. Listening to him talk about an increased role in the next bargaining, I think was great. I also saw Michelle Roberts during that trip in a speaking engagement in Milwaukee. She's the head of the NBA Players Association, and she agreed with my thought that having Chris Paul and LeBron James involved in that negotiation means a lot. To get the gravitas of those stars is key sitting across from ownership. Nothing against the the players um, that were leading the NFLPA last time, like a Jeff Saturday, Dominic Foxworth, good friends of mine that I respect a lot. But you have an Aaron Rodgers that's going to sit across, or a Cam Newton, or someone, a Russell Wilson, someone like that. That will make a difference. So great to hear Aaron do that. 
Last point about Aaron, he also talked about the fact that, you know, the commissioner power, he has, he meaning Goodell has made the league look bad. And that was his point about that. People talking about it, questioning it, not knowing what to do, sort of bringing up negative thoughts about the NFL. That was more of a reason than worrying about six, eight, ten players a year getting disciplined uh, uh, and fighting, making that a primary issue in negotiations. So thoughtful comments from Aaron Rodgers since the day I met him back the first day he was drafted. I've always thought him to be a positive, thoughtful guy, and he certainly filled in there. So get ready for the NFL season. These are all my thoughts behind the scenes, inside the game, behind the curtain as you get ready. That was another edition Branch Rant's edition of the Business of Sports podcast. Be sure to follow all the podcasts here on RossTucker.com, on iTunes, wherever you hear your podcasts. Or follow me at Andrew Brandt on Twitter. And have a great week. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.